Grid. I gamble. The only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by my members of the collective, the disciple, Brett Colson, Donnie, DP Peters, and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. Mo has escaped witness protection, uh, but is on his deathbed. You sound sick as a dog, Mo. What's going on, kiddo? I think they gave me something in Spain. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but if you start hearing about people getting real sick and dying in Omaha, uh, and an epidemic ends up happening, I was probably patient zero. <laughs> you were the one. Needed fewer IPAs and more wine, bruh. Needed more salad. <laughs> more salad. More salad. Uh, gentlemen, everybody else, good? Anything special to report, DP? Or? Great. Absolutely great. <laughs> That's a strong great take. What about you, Minotti? You don't even get to... Uh, Really talk up your boy this year, unfortunately, here on this Running Back podcast. Who's my boy? Who is your boy? Who else is your boy? Tim Hightower. <laughs> Fuck Tim Hightower. Dude, he's actually like on my list of players to draft. No. He's got to be there. Can't be a real thing. All right, probably not. <laughs> no, who's my, who's my boy? Zeke, of course. I mean, we get to talk about Zeke, but you don't get to tout him. This year. I know. Yeah, that's a tricky one because you got to love him when he does get back in the lineup. But where do you take him? Well, let's get into the tricky talk in a bit. Just like with the wide receivers, tight ends and quarterbacks, we're going to give you some general strategy, some values and some fades. If you missed the wide receiver podcast, go back and listen to it yesterday. Some definite gems in there. And the quarterback and tight end pods are fairly evergreen as well. So if you're getting prepped for this final draft weekend, be sure to head back and listen to those. Gentlemen, we're only nine days away from submitting our first week picks in the Super Contest. And that means the contest is closing. So this is your last chance to get in. You guys got to contact footballcontest.com. Even if you live outside of the state of Nevada, you can be in this contest and submit your picks from a remote location via email. I mean, you can live outside of the country and still participate. That's footballcontest.com. Maddie will help you out, get you registered, get in the tournament. That's footballcontest.com. The running back. You see they're supposed to, to pass the amount of entries for today or tomorrow from last year? How many? Uh, well, last year was, what, 1,854 or something like that, and they're already over 1,800. Yeah, it should happen today, you'd think. Oh, don't miss out on this value, kitties. I know. Yes. Value everywhere. There's clowns pouring out of the Westgate right now, humming and hawing, believing that they're going to be the ones to capture that million dollars in that glass case. So if you have any sense of value, if you're hunting for any EV in this world... And you listen to this podcast and understand what we're saying. You should definitely head to footballcontest.com and fire. Running backs, forever heralded as the most valuable position in fantasy football, perhaps because of scarcity. And scarcity has become even more relevant here in the late 2010s as every single team, it seems, 
has a running back by committee approach, save for those few gems that we are taking in the top portion of the first round. And then there's the injuries. Uh, Players are getting injured perhaps at the same rate as they always have, but we're just more aware of what's happening and the limited shelf life of a running back in the league. So every year we're going to have people pop up like Ty Montgomery that we had no idea was going to be a factor in the season. As Brett and Mo just mentioned, Tim Hightower. Somebody in the double-digit weeks is going to make an impact in your fantasy football league, and if you can get a beat on that person beforehand, that's amazing. Uh, So general running back strategy. Uh, My number one tool for the running back position is to just throw as many darts as you can. Obviously, if you have an opportunity to take one of the elite guys at the top of the draft, do it uh, in the first two rounds. If one of those top-tier or second-tier guys is there and you're comfortable with them, do it. But in those middle to late rounds, just keep throwing darts. I always finish a draft with more running backs than any other position, unless it's like uh, a three-receiver flex league or some insane format like that. But For the most part, I will have so many running backs because I am just looking to grab as many ping pong balls as possible. Uh, Mo, I'll turn to you first. Do you have any general strategy this year at the running back position? I mean, you stole basically what I I was going to say, honestly. Uh, You know, we, we already talked yesterday about the wide receivers and how everyone's running back to the running backs at the top of the draft. So I kind of feel there may be a little more value on a top wide receiver there if you're kind of in the back half of the first round especially but uh overall i would say my biggest thing is just to try to grab backups and third string guys that you think have talent in speculative spots where like if the top guy either gets hurt maybe the top guy's like injury prone or the top guy's a little older if he falters there's a a solid backup that you've watched that you like just try to stash, you know, at least two or three of those guys, if not more, uh, because there's no position more barren on the waiver wire. Like, I guess the example, a good example for me would be like uh, Theo Riddick in non-PPR formats. Uh, I mean, he's probably going to get picked everywhere in PPR, but in non-PPR, he was still really helpful last year uh, when he became the man in Detroit. So you just grab guys like that because like, Amir is kind of a little more of an injury prone guy, it seems like. And um, grab a those little, type of a little. Grab those type. Well, it's only I mean, we don't know for sure yet, but oh come on, it's early. Just, uh, grab those th- those type of players' backups and uh, hope the you know roll the dice fell your way at the end. Amir, I've it's funny. I've been an Amir hater, and in the group Skype this summer, I was watching some of his. Uh, he, they play the Jets, so I was I was watching. Pretty keenly, and he looked good. Uh, I've hated on him so much. I think what I really hate on when it comes to Amir is his body type. Uh, it's an injury-prone type body type, just so slim and slender. Uh, but yeah, he's really good when he's on the field. But Reddick is a good a good example. Uh, Theo Reddick, excuse me, is a good example of a player with standalone value who can then get some more value if there is an injury. It's it's a little dangerous to be picking guys that will only ever have value if the player in front of them goes down because even if they become the guy, there's a chance that they still might not perform. There's always a chance. Our, our predictions are, are wrong more often than not. So 
it's better to have a guy like Theo Riddick who has standalone value, but then their value may get even better uh, if the war of attrition hits the running back in front of them. DP, what about you? Do you have any general strat for the 2017 season? I mean, you kind of teased it at the beginning when you, you know, you, you alluded to running backs by committee and trying to avoid them. I mean, it's hard in today's NFL, but if you can get people that, uh, you know, shoulder most of the workload, uh, do so. Another thing that I look for is uh, backs that are pass catching or have a good pass catching ability. Um, in today's NFL, I mean, being able to catch a pass out of the backfield is, is more prevalent than ever uh, and very important. And then also uh, look for touchdowns, you know, much like we talked about uh, a week ago on the, the tight end podcast. You know, Rich, you brought this up. Look for people that are going to score touchdowns because touchdowns matter. I mean, there were so many more points than yards. So just because a running back is, you know, putting up a ton of yards in the stat sheet, then he's not getting in the end zone. You know, someone like uh, LeGarrette Blunt last year, you know, scored 18 touchdowns and was a fantasy superstar, but the guy is a horrible running back but you know so look for people that score touchdowns but also in the reverse of that look for you know be aware of times when a running back is going to get a lot of his goal line carries uh you know taken away from like a quarterback say in carolina with cam newton or elsewhere with a bigger back in the backfield it sounds so stupid and i'm glad you teed up teed me up there by saying cam newton but it sounds so stupid to say get guys that score touchdowns but it's so true like in standard a guy like Christian McCaffrey who could and should be a PPR killer this year out of the backfield on the slot for Carolina he's going to do so much of his work between the 20s that in standard I don't think I'm going to have very many shares if any of Christian McCaffrey because he's not going to find the end zone and to Donnie's point those six points are so important in non-PPR formats so it sounds simple it sounds stupid but the guys that are on the field in roles to score closer to the end zone at the running back position are so much more valuable than the guys that <laughs> Jeremy do, Hill that, that that do their work in the twenties. Yeah, I hate Jeremy Hill as a player, but the dude is on the field in the red zone and he falls into the end zone and thus he has fantasy value. Brett, anything to add, or can we roll right into my first question for y'all? No, I'm with you guys for most of everything there. We can uh, we can keep this going. All right, we'll keep it with you then, Brett. Zeke, this by the time people hear this, the hearing uh, could be concluded. It's this was the third and final day, according to Shifty. I've maintained all along that I believe the suspension will come down to four games. It's it's such a stupid thing, but the way the NFL operates right now, they have to suspend higher and then reduce down through the appeals process. So start high, come low. It's it's very poker player when when idiot poker players are uh, trying to lobby for a bet, and they always have to go to two extremes with the objective to meet in the middle, even though everybody knows eventually they're going to meet in the middle. Let's just get the dancing out of the way. So four-game suspension is what I believe. Currently, it is a six-game suspension. Ezekiel Elliott is the ninth running back off the board right now in standard scoring. Let me roll over to the PPR format. And it looks like Mr. Elliott, second man, second year man out of Ohio State, is again the ninth player coming off the board with the fifth pick in the second round. Seems like it's going to be a bit too rich for us four. That being said, where would you take Zeke this year, Brett? Well, if I'm drafting today, I'll probably take him a little earlier than where he's going because. He, he is likely to get at least one game 
knocked off his, his suspension, right? So it, after the announcement of his official suspension, he's probably going to get bumped back up to where he should be. It's I, I'm not really sure. I'm probably just going to stay away for the most part because he is going a little earlier than I want to invest in a guy. The, the early weeks of the NFL season are so important for fantasy football, and I don't want to have a guy I invest so much capital in just sitting away and wasting on my bench. So probably a stay away for the most part for me. But if he does slide in the bottom of the second round, early third, I'll definitely take a look. Yeah, it's if he gets to the bottom of the second and you've already selected David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, I think the question becomes a little easier because you have yeah. a huge net at that position already. But when it's the middle of the second round and you likely have one of either one of the big three receivers or uh, Mike Evans or A.J. Green, um, then it becomes more difficult because then your RB1 is a bit more of a question mark. Mo, where are you on Zeke? Where are you taking him? I think uh, I, in general, in the past, not just in NFL, but I've liked drafting some of these top guys who have some early injuries or suspensions just because if you can put together a competitive team like just scrape through at 500 you know i mean it's obviously a huge gamble but if you can scrape through their their missed games at 500 all of a sudden your team is just so loaded uh so i think if you want to roll the dice i'm i don't really have a problem with it but um another thing i would throw out there is if you do fade zeke uh i think try to keep tabs on his owner's team. And if they are in the dungeon, in the basement a little bit, uh, try to poach him a couple weeks before he comes back. Uh, you know, just tell them, hey, you know, you need... I tried doing this in baseball with... I tried to poach Mike Trout this year, and but uh, Charlie wouldn't trade him to me. Shout out, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because his team wasn't like it looked like it needed help to make the playoffs. So if they look like they're going to need help to make the playoffs, just uh, try to throw out some offers and see if you can poach Zeke a couple weeks before he comes back if you're in good shape. Donnie, what's your temperature for risk here on Zeke? Uh, I actually put Zeke pretty much at the top of my value list. So the reason being is I don't think he's going to sit out any games this year. Any? Uh, the Yes, the the NFLPA just Man. hired Jeffrey Kessler I can't to handle his appeal. I Jeffrey can't... Kessler is the same guy that handled the Tom Brady appeal and has a notorious reputation for getting these things delayed as he appeals them to a higher case. In this case, I think that the appeal is going to come back negative. I think they're going to go to the federal court, much like the Brady case did. And like the Brady case did, I think it's going to basically be on hold for an entire year. I can't wait for uh, this take to be dead on arrival. <laughs> this is like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it definitely sounds uh, a, a loom as fuck. I mean, of, of course it does, but that that's how these things work, right? I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that the reason he didn't get suspended earlier was because they found out all this information in the middle of, of last season, and they weren't going to, uh, you know, suspend a guy who's obviously a rookie but you know one of the high quickly the highest profile guys in the game he's having a great year dallas is is running dallas is a huge market so i think that the nfl purposely delayed this to before the start of this season um but now i think that once jeffrey kessler gets involved i mean the nfl pa when they hire jeffrey kessler they mean business things get nasty in that case it goes to war i think we're going to see a very very long drawn out process um and with the way that zeke is dropping 
you know, I, I might take a gamble much higher than, than I would ever, ever have expected, you know? So I think that uh, he's worth taking bottom of the first round. I would go as high as that. Very interesting. So you would take him before Devonta Freeman? Yeah. I mean, unless, unless the news changes, obviously, right, but if the news goes the way I think it's going to go right now, uh, I'm willing to gamble. I mean, we're all gambling in fantasy football and, you know, take a little bit of risk for a higher reward. I'm happy to do that. Scott Lazar, baby. I'll give you a gamble. What, uh, Rich, you, you know, though, Rich, you're all about it, right? All about what? high upside. Well, yeah, it, fantasy football is a, is a game of ceilings. Um, yeah, you always got to shoot for the, the maximum, you know, because if you just have a solid team, you're just pretty much flipping coins in the playoffs. Like you got to you got to try to get as much as high of a ceiling as you can for your team. And, and that basically is uh, comes back to that touchdown argument, right? We can get the guys that get a ton of volume in the 20s, but I'd rather gamble on the guys that may or may not fall into the end zone because when they do, my team is likely going to win. DP, we'll keep it with you. You gave us your first value, top of your list value. What other, what other values do you have for the season? Uh, we hinted at it a little bit yesterday on the wide receiver podcast uh, with the injury to Julian Edelman. I think Rex Burkhead, you know, I thought that he was value in the first place. I think his value goes uh, way higher. I'm I'm actually leaning towards not being a fan of Mike Gillisley, at least as it stands right now. I haven't been too impressed with him, both what I've seen in these preseason games that, uh, you know, the, the few opportunities that he's had. Also, a lot of the reports that I've been hearing and reading out of Patriots camp. Uh, I think Rex Burkhead is going to be an absolute disaster for opposing defenses, whether that be, uh, you know, in the backfield, you know, coming out of the backfield, both running and pass catching and also lining up in the slot, which I think he's going to be very good at, um, you know, just with the Julian Edelman injury, you're going to need a lot more people to fill into that slot role. I think Burkhead is that guy. So I, I really do like him. And then another guys that I think are, are some, some, some great plays here are, are some rookies, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Rich, you mentioned him earlier, Joe Mixon, Samaje Pirine, I mean, they're all rookies, but their competition in front of them, you know, is Jonathan Stewart, Jeremy Hill, and Robert Kelly, who I don't think highly of at all. Rich, I know you're a bit of a Jonathan Stewart truther, but I just, I, I've never really bought into any of these three guys. And I could see, you know, McCaffrey, Mixon, and, and P. Ryan easily having the, you know, the full time starting job within one or two weeks into the season and having really good years because of it. Yeah, Pirine, I'm all about. He's going the last pick of the 10th round uh, on a team that I've been a little bit more afraid since Brett has illuminated us with the sharp football schedule and that NFC East death trap that is for, for those teams. But you're getting him, what, four or five rounds after Fat Rob, who's going in the 7th. Fat Rob, a player that he's just he's just not good. I, number Fire had it's him as... Bond. Numberfire had him as one of their most inefficient runners in the league last year based upon their net expected points metric. Matt Jones, who actually profiles to be a good running back. He's got great pedigree coming out of Florida, but he's got a fumble problem, and that team is just not going to give him uh, an opportunity. So you're getting the cheaper of two guys. You're getting a young guy who's looked competent, uh, both catching the ball and running the ball thus far, this pre preseason. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about that P Ryan life. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I like in PPR. I think the volume is going to be there. I think we're going to see him line up in the slot, you know, 
30 times this season, you know, 30, 40 times lining up at receiver. I don't think that's too crazy to see him do that. You know, uh, what would that be? Like three times a game, four times a game. Uh, and I think he could really eat out of the slot. I am worried about the touchdown upside, though. And that's where I'm kind of interested in Stewart. If they protect Cam Newton a little bit more towards the goal line, then Stewart will have some opportunities to fall into the end zone. And as Donnie noted, my heart melts for uh, for Stu Beef. Love Jonathan Stewart. He's no Joyke Bell, though. That's for sure. <laughs> Mo, what kind of values you got for us? How many Huskers on this podcast? Hearts. There are hearts of Huskers everywhere. Shout out to Rex Goathead. He could crush, too. I like him a lot. Couldn't catch that pass against Texas in 2010, though. <laughs> You'll never forgive him. Nope. Uh, uh, my top guy, first of all, I'm going to start with a player I think is being drafted way too low and could be a huge value. Uh, I really like Lamar Miller. Um, just looking at where he's going right now, uh, he is down 29th overall, it looks like. Running back-wise, he's the RB13. He's going behind you know, some of the super hype guys like McCaffrey and Fournette. Um, last year in PPR, Jay Ajayi, 14.4 points per game. Lamar Miller, 13.7. But yet, Jay Ajayi being drafted in the second round. Uh, Lamar, 26 years old, still in his prime, uh, lightly used in Miami, so he doesn't have too many miles on him. I don't love the O-line in Texas, but uh, he should get a nice volume, especially, you know, they're going to probably try to protect their QB there because, you know, Deshaun, they're not going to want to expose him too much. And the backup here is Alfred Blue, so you got absolutely nothing to worry about. Uh, I really think Lamar Miller is one of those guys that Donnie was talking about where you can just count on this guy being the number one guy no matter what. There's no scenario besides injury where he's not going to get a high volume of touches. Another one I like is Derrick Henry going 84th overall. I don't think the Titans drafted him in the second round because they wanted a career backup here. We all know how good the Titans O-line is. So if he were to get in because of injury or just because he's playing real well and they're trying to get him some more snaps, I think he has the potential to crush it. Uh, DeMarco's 29. He's got a lot of miles on him. Uh, You never know when the wall could hit. So I think uh, investing a little bit in Derrick Henry could prove to be big value. And then another one. How about your boy, Rich? uh, The Jets. Matt Forte? No. <laughs> no? He's not even going to be on the Jets in three days. <laughs> that's a thing. If he that's a, if he doesn't get traded, I think he I mean, if could he does get traded, he probably, is, he probably has way better value. Because <laughs> I like well, the opportunity to score gets, touchdowns. But if he gets traded, he might get traded to go be the backup somewhere where he looks like he's still the man. And he scored more PPR points per game last year than Isaiah Crowell and Todd Gurley. So... Those guys are going like in the third round. Forte is going 109th overall with defenses and kickers. So he doesn't need much to deliver value. And if he's on the field, he should deliver value. I mean, Forte, Brett can attest. Forte went ape against the Bills, and that was about it. <laughs> it was a week two Thursday game. 
I'm I'm a bit afraid uh, afraid about uh, Forte's value, uh, considering my I talked about Chad Hansen yesterday. Should I go on into a uh, an Elijah McGuire tirade here, guys? Would that be appreciated? Can we stop talking about the Jets <laughs> for the love of God? I'm fading all Jets running backs. I, the Bilal Powell is at the fourth pick of the fifth round. Is the single dumbest thing. <laughs> Yeah, what is that? That I've seen in the history of fantasy football. Uh, I I understand why people, if they just look at spreadsheets and numbers, why they would be interested in somebody like Powell. He's actually performed pretty well over the last couple of years, but he's just a guy uh, in a horrific offense. Bilal Powell is, if you were to build the replacement level running back in the NFL, it would be Bilal Powell. He is a ham and egger through and through. And his current ADP is disastrous. Do not take Bilal Powell. I'm begging you guys. Um, How could anyone click Bilal Powell's name in the fifth in the round? Fifth round. <laughs> and fantasy experts are salivating over him because of his uh, his, I guess his catch potential out of the backfield dump offs with bad quarterbacks. I don't know. The the volume Wait. might might be there for that, but he's he's never going to fall into the end zone. Wait, according to this, he's going ahead of Tevin Coleman, Danny Woodhead, Amir, and CJ Anderson. Yeah, Blau Goat. Just stay away. Do not click. That is a disaster. Do not click something, uh, Blau Pal. Uh, just real quick on your Derrick Henry uh, selection. I'm interested with him. I'm afraid about volume. I'm, I'm afraid of volume for him and Lamar Miller. Uh, Bill O'Brien actually came out and said that they they want to give Lamar the ball less, which is a bit scary. Even though he profiles like a Jamal Charles type player in that he doesn't need a ton of volume to be effective. Uh, it, volume is just the name of this game, and any time that Deontay Foreman uh, eats into negatively affects us. Henry has a little bit more standalone value, I think, because that Titans offensive line is so good and that Titans offense is projected to be so efficient this season. I would not handcuff him, though. If you select DeMarco Murray in the first two rounds, do not pick uh, Derrick Henry, please, because you're investing... too high of a pick. Yeah, you're investing so much in a position where... Are you, what are you going to do? Play both of them? Are you going to play yeah, Derrick Henry in the if flex? if they end up splitting carries, you're really in a bad spot. Yeah. You just got to roll the dice on the one you like better. Exactly. Wait, what difference does it make if you if you draft him as a handcuff or standalone? If uh, he's going in the same spot, what difference? Isn't there more, more value in, in drafting them together? I just think you're investing way too much of your draft equity into one position on one football team. Yeah, where if, if, they split, if they split carries, you're really in a tough spot. So then, so then what are you drafting Henry for as a standalone without Murray? Because what if he takes the job? Or, yeah, it's exactly right. You can't you can't play the two exactly of them together what you're too. Saying. So what I'm you're saying, saying the same thing. So no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I want one of those players to get eighty to ninety percent of the value in that offense. I don't want them to split carries. No, but I think we're talking about what Mo was saying. Huh. <laughs> Basically, my thing is. The worst there's there's a the worst case scenario here if you draft both of them is that they split carries right that is absolute worst case scenario if you draft both of them there's also in the range of outcomes that the Titans are bad so that even if you get both of them and one of them gets hurt they're bad so 
obviously the other range of outcome is you get the both of them and one of them gets hurt and the other one gets all the carries. I'm saying I'd rather risk it and just pick one of them in that scenario and hope that that happens as opposed to investing uh, five, top five picks in the same position on the same team and hoping that happens. I just think that's a bit risky for me. All right, that's fair. Minotti. Don't don't draft Murray. Draft Henry. Yes. I, risk I'm, risk I'm, Ryan over here. I'm fine. I'm fine with that strategy for sure. Uh, I actually like JJ. Mo pouring dirt on his name. I don't appreciate that. Minotti, give us some values. Um, well, we talked about this on the on the quarterbacks podcast. I love the Patriots running game this year. I think because the position is so crowded, you can get great value on all these guys right now. And Mike Gillisley's my favorite. Donnie shit all over him already on this podcast, and his ADP continues to drop. I think Gillisley gets most he of the looks goal. like shit. The Bills make Based me on, wanna. It is on what? Eight carries for thirty-eight yards and a touchdown in the last game. That's shit. Based on the fact that tweet, he missed all of Tammy? he missed I mean, all, he missed on. all of the spring and just came back from another injury a couple weeks ago. That's fine. I think by by week three he's going to be good to go. And this this is the guy they're going to use as the workhorse, as the Legarrette Blount late in football games. I think anyway, when they're in that comfortable lead, current ADP of fifty eight right now according to Fantasy Calculator, and it continues to go down, which is great timing going into my draft week. Uh, love Gillisley at that ADP. And I like Rex Burkhead, too. Uh, Mo made a great point yesterday that it could be the backs who benefit most from the Edelman injury. Burkhead could be that guy they line up in in the slot. So I'll be going after shares of him, too. Currently going in the 10th, 11th rounds. Uh, I love both those guys. And then the guy I love this year is Ty Montgomery. And I've been a big fan of this guy since he came out of college. ADP of 37 right now. That's way too low. Montgomery was really good as the lead back last season. He's had a full off season to work on his technique. This kid is as sharp as they come on the football field. He's going to be ready for a full workload this season. He's great in the passing game, viable threat for red zone touches as they showed last season. They gave him the ball at the goal line and he's lining up next to the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So to me, Montgomery could be a top 10 fantasy player this season, so I'll, I will happily snag him at his current ADP. Uh, yeah, Montgomery, I'm hoping to get all the shares this year. Outside of the first round and the early second round, what player has the same floor-ceiling combo that Ty Montgomery has? Like it's Nobody. Not even close how valuable Tymon is, especially in PPR. Worst-case scenario, other than injury, is that he's a PPR monster that flexes out into the slot a bunch and catches short passes and does the caddying for Aaron Rodgers and scores like a handful of touchdowns. The best case scenario is this guy finds the end zone like 10 to 14 times and catches 60 to 70 balls and just absolutely crushes it in that hyper-efficient offense. I love Montgomery where he's going for sure. And, and, and on Gillisley, I've been a bit negative on him on him here as well, but... This is a pretty good stock-high, stock-low situation. Uh, August 7th, he was going with the third pick in the fourth round. He's currently going with the seventh pick in the fifth round. So all of this negative news is uh, negatively impacting his stock. And the more he drops, the more appealing he does become. Uh, I just have question marks. The Patriots of all teams are the team that 
you need to know what the hell you're doing. You need to buy into the system in order to succeed. And missing all of spring and and missing a lot of time in the preseason worries me from that standpoint. Is this a Patriot guy? Is he going to know, know what to do when he's on the field and he's protecting Tom Brady or running the plays uh, that they want him to run? That's my biggest worry. But the further he begins to drop, uh, the more interesting he becomes to me. He's a good value. Um, in terms of my value plays... Man, this feels gross. It really does. But if you are going to go zero RB, or if you find yourself in the middle to late rounds and you need some depth, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Fire Frank Gore, please. <laughs> in the middle of the eighth round. I know it's gross. I know it's really scary with the Andrew Luck situation. But... Is Marlon Mack, something Marlon Mack, really going to take the job away from Gore? I know the story on Gore. He's old. He's getting older. He's old. He's getting older. But he's already the outlier. So there's really no reason to think that he's just going to fall off a cliff right away. Uh, Sure, over 16 games, is he going to be able to sustain the type of play he had last year? I don't think so. I mean, the guy was a 300-touch player last year uh, in his age 77 season. But for a middle-of-the-eighth-round pick, for somebody who plays in a weaker division, and for somebody who's going to probably be in the position to make plays with Scott Tolzien at quarterback, they're going to lean on Gore, I don't think it's horrible to have him on your roster. I think you can do a lot worse in the middle-of-the-eighth round. Like, I don't like Paul Perkins, who's going ahead of him. Uh, The Giants just show they don't like running the ball close to the end zone, and they're in... I mean, they're in three wide receiver sets even when they're at the five-yard line. So I don't think Perkins is a guy that's going to fall into the end zone. And then you've got Terrence West going after him and Duke Johnson, who uh, is is masquerading as a slot receiver in a not-so-efficient offense. So it's not sexy. It's not going to make the entire draft room go wow. But I think Frank Gore is a pretty good value in the eighth round. As he was last year, as he was the year before that. That's what I was about to that. say. When was the last time he didn't deliver value on his draft position? That's what, Somebody that's, should go look on, look up that. That's precisely my point. He is the outlier. He, Yes, at this age, after this many carries, this guy should be defunct. He should not even be in the league, let alone have a job, uh, let alone have a role in an offense. But he just keeps delivering, and I'm going to keep buying – until my eyes look at the television screen and Frank Gore is no longer delivering for my fantasy team. Are you talking about Frank Gore or Tom Brady? Uh, wow. Well, for, for, it wouldn't be shock me if, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time in San Fran. It wouldn't, be, wouldn't shock me if Frank Gore was a, an avocado ice cream guy as well. Love it. More <laughs> avocado ice cream. All right, we're going to get to some fades next. But before that, let's slide into... The Blue Apron Kitchen. I told you guys about the miso ramen the other day, which was absolute fire. But Wifey cooked up some salmon the other night, and that crushed as well. Looking at the menu this week, we've got barbecue baked chicken with sweet potato salad and garlicky green beans and a sautéed beef and roasted eggplant with spiced rice and cucumber salad. If you want to support the collective and your stomach, head to blueapron.com slash gridirongamble 
blueapron.com slash gridirongamble. Get 30 bucks off your first subscription. Delicious. I know I will not be fading Blue Apron, but time to fade some backs. We'll go back in inverse order. Brett, that means you're up. Give us some fades. Yeah, I'll start with DeMarco Murray since we touched on him already. I've never been a Murray guy, and Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. I think we're going to gradually see Henry earn reps away from Murray's this, Murray this season, which makes DeMarco a terrible selection at his current ADP. Uh, he's being taken in the middle to late first round in some drafts, and that's that's insane because we already talked about how uh, Henry could take this job from him this year, and Henry has much more value in the sixth round, fifth round. Uh, you're spending less capital on the better running back. That's a no-brainer to me. I love Henry this year, staying away from Murray again. I, I can't remember the last time I drafted that dude. Uh, and Adrian Peterson, what the hell are people doing with Adrian Peterson? I, I, saw, I saw Matthew Berry this week tweeting about how high he is on AP and that he's a must-start in week one against Minnesota. Why? Why is this dude being taken in the fourth round in drafts? Ooh, Revenge, like, though. No, no. Fourth round? No. Is that is that right? Uh, I'm a PPR fantasy football calculator. He's the tenth pick in the sixth round. Oh, so he's dropped quite a bit from where I saw. Even still, like this guy is 32 now. He's in a timeshare situation in New Orleans. New Orleans runs a lot of shotgun, five wide sets. AP AP has never played an offense like that before. Hate Mark Ingram though. Yeah, why? I don't understand what's going on here. I don't think anyone's figured that one out. This, but, uh, this is one of those yeah, things where is I that, think... Is that what they call it when there's a much better running back ahead of you, a timeshare? This is one of those things where I agree with you. I think Mark Ingram is a way better player. He's way better suited to play in shotgun. But for some reason, they hate him. So I think there is some value in Adrian Peterson. I don't know. Coaches are dumb. They do dumb things. But what if he gets the ball and doesn't do anything? Well, yeah, then, yeah. Like that's, he did last year. Yeah, that's the thing. This guy hasn't done anything in two seasons. Uh, he averaged he's averaged two yards per carry over his last eight games as a pro. And yeah, he was stuck behind that terrible offensive horrific, line in Minnesota, but horrific. He did not look like. I mean, he's just a shell of himself. This is not Adrian Peterson that we grew up watching for years. There's, there's. You know, they're gonna give him four weeks though, at least. To do what though? I mean, how many, just, how many, just because how many, of his namesake and the fact that they brought him in, they're going to – I mean, I'm with you guys. Trust me. Mark Ingram is way, way, way better. But that's just how these coaches are. They are so stupid. Adrian Peterson graded at 39.2 last season on Pro Football Books. <laughs> that's Not out of 100, great, guys. Bob. That's out of 100. 39.2. Now I have to find Ingram just for uh... – Shits and grins. Seventy. I mean, going back to Rich's point a little bit about the value play of Frank Gore. I mean, if people if people have the choice, Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson. I think ninety nine percent of people are taking Adrian Peterson, which oh, I think sure. we would all agree is totally wrong. Yeah, I, but people are doing it. I agree. Look, partly I'm arguing in Peterson's sake because I'm stuck with him in a dynasty league. So I'm just I'm praying that he has some sort of value on my hands and knees. Mo, give us some fades. Well, Brett stole mine, I'll be honest. First of all, DeMarco. Can't see him going 11th overall. I mean, if I have a pick end of the first, give me Jay Ajayi or one of these receivers. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer you'd rather have Jay Ajayi than 
Marco Murray, but he's going after him. I don't understand that at all. Uh, and then, obviously, Adrian Peterson. We know how cooked he looked last year. But in the same vein, what the hell are people doing taking Marshawn Lynch? Beast mode. 36 overall. This guy is 32. He just spent the last year and a half eating Skittles. He's got the most brutal, brutal miles on him. No way am I taking this guy in the third round where he's going. He's going ahead of Lamar Miller, Isaiah Kroll, Dalvin Cook. To me, that's insanity. I know the Raiders had a great O-line last year. I know they had a great offense, but I just have a hard time seeing Marshawn Lynch having anything left at this age and with the type of miles he had on him. And I mean, I know that the other running backs on the team aren't great, but at least on name value, but you look at Jalen Richard. I mean, he actually performed pretty well last year. Football Outsiders has him with a pretty strong positive DVOA. So, I mean, if he goes out there and just gets yards and Marshawn is just plunging into the line, I guess it could be a Bengals situation where everyone's just an idiot and they keep, but Jack Del Rio doesn't seem like he's that dumb compared to most coaches. So hold on. What? Stay away from Marshawn. What does Jack Del Rio uh, is a clown. What does Come Del Rio on. have for brains? He, he's that guy is, than most of these guys. No, he's not. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's he is. so stupid. I mean, him going for two in New Orleans was about as sharp as it gets though. I mean, okay, yeah, I'll give him that, but yeah, that I mean, that's one thing of many. The guy's just been an idiot his whole career. I'm not going to buy in. I'm going <laughs> to buy into the team and and Derek Carr is the quarterback more so than I am the coach actually having any sort of merit to what's going on down there. I don't get this take from from Mo. Aren't you big on the Raiders? Great offensive. I'm down, I'm down on the Raiders this year. Wow. I think some regression on the O-line is going to happen for sure. And then this Donald Penn situation, has that been resolved? I don't even know, but I don't, I, I think I'm a little low on them compared to the field this year. Very interesting. Uh, DP, give me some fades. I'm totally with Mo on Marshawn Lynch. I don't get it. I mean, I just, I mean, I, he could be, Mo kind of alluded to it. He could be last year's, you know, LeGarrette Blunt, where he's just an absolute horrible wreck of a running back, but he is just plunging into the end zone all the time. Uh, so he's on my list, uh, but I'll skip over him. I'm also not a fan of Latavius Murray this year. Um, in the games that I was able to watch the past couple of seasons, you know, that when he played on Oakland, I didn't think that he was that impressive. Um, I, I watched probably more than I should have because he was on some of my fantasy teams the past two years, but. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't that impressed at all. I feel like he, you know, was just the beneficiary of a couple of really good games that that were, you know, showcased on on bigger stages and that was really it and he got a lot of his value that way and and you know, in the Vikings, I mean, we know that what they hate Jarek McKinnon. Okay, great. But that now they have Dalvin Cook and he's all the rave and I just feel like Dalvin has shown enough ability, uh, you know, this year as as a rookie in the preseason, and you know, a lot of the reports coming out of out of Minnesota that he's going to be he's going to be getting a lot of the the love there. And because I don't think Murray is that good, uh, I'm going to stay away. And then also Adrian Peterson, I'm also avoiding him. And then the Denver backfield, I just I have no idea what's going on there. There's too many people. I don't think any of them are overly good. Jamal Charles is hurt and probably going to get hurt again. So. 
I'm just going to avoid the Denver backfield at all costs and hope I don't have to get stuck with one of those, you know, three, four or five running backs that are, that are coming out of uh, the Rocky mountain top. Fire D'Angelo Henderson last pick and pray. Okay. That works, but that's about it. That's about it. Uh, from Denver. We talked about Zeke to start the show and based upon that conversation, full fade on DeMar, uh, Darren McFadden with the seventh pick in the sixth round. Just don't do it guys. <laughs> if there's any chance that Zeke comes back early, his value plummets. And even so, and I've been the guy standing on a table saying that anybody could run behind that Cowboys line, that the Cowboys should have selected Jalen Ramsey instead of Ezekiel Elliott. You know, Darren McFadden isn't going to give you Zeke production. Zeke is a great running back, and McFadden's going to give you, I don't know, 70 to 80% of that at best. So suspension could get reduced. He's not as good a player. Schedule's tough again, as Brett and Mo have alluded to. So I am a full fade of Darren McFadden at his current ADP. And Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman going with the last pick in the sixth round. I do not like Tevin Coleman. I did take him, ironically enough, in the mock that I did to start this whole fantasy process off. But the more I've dug into Coleman's numbers, what he did last year, especially from a touchdown perspective, scoring eight touchdowns on 150 touches is not repeatable. It is not repeatable. So he's going to have personal regression. That offense is going to have regression without Kyle Shanahan, uh, with just natural regression after having one of the most efficient seasons in the history of football. Those two things coupled together make Tevin Coleman a very, very shady pick in the sixth round. Of course, there could be an injury to Freeman, then all of a sudden Coleman becomes very valuable. But if you are drafting him as the second piece in that offense and just praying for an injury, I think you're doing yourself a disservice taking him in the sixth round. Tevin I really Coleman. like Tevin Coleman, but yeah, I but actually think he's a better Freeman's there, and Freeman's also really good. So I think, I think he sucks. He's a better player than Freeman, personally. But just situation. He, he needs to go somewhere else. That's a hot take. Coleman's really Isn't good it? at football, man. I think Coleman's really good. He can catch the ball just like Freeman can. He's bigger. I think he's just as fast and, and equally run. as shifty. PFF. In terms of an actual pure running back, if you were to take pass catching out of it, I think that, that Coleman is better than PFF has him back-to-back. Devonta, 83.3. Coleman, 79.2. They're very close to one another. Tevin Coleman or Derrick Henry, go. At ADP or just football player? I mean, they're they're probably pretty close ADP-wise, right? Yeah, I'd have to lean Henry. Yeah, I think I would too. I just think Maybe Henry, but as a football I player, I, I don't know. Well, as a football player, I think it's definitely Henry. Yeah. I don't I don't like that type of running back, really, but I don't know. I just think you get you need backs that are more versatile, but I don't know. I could be just completely wrong. I mean, Henry's not a disaster out of the backfield on passing plays. And he is a monster in the pass blocking game, too, right? I mean, that dude is a beast. Yeah, he'll put yeah but we don't get points for that. Yeah, but but, he, but that, he's going to be on the field, though. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Keeps him on the field. So pass blocking as a back is one of those things where people kind of uh, wring their fists a little bit too much. Like, uh, the, Kareem Hunt's a good example of this, right? Uh, people are worried that Kareem Hunt is bad in pass protection. 
but he's going to leak out so often on pass plays where he's going to beat a linebacker that they're not going to even keep him in on in pass protection. But for a guy like Henry, who's just trying to get on the field as much as possible, you know, that's something that could boost his value and get him in on third down more frequently. It's like defense and fantasy baseball. That's true. Uh, real quick, Mo. Speaking of Kareem Hunt, what do you, what are your feelings on the rookie in your chef's backfield? And then we'll get out of here. I mean, I saw this story and it says Spencer Ware could be out two to eight weeks. What is two to eight weeks? That's like the most massive spread. I mean, if it's like That's if like he's a spread out, limit stud, baby. Yeah, if he's out two weeks, I mean, yeah, Kareem Hunt's, you know. It could be worthless practically if he's out eight weeks. Kareem Hunt be a slim job by then. I mean, I think you're really rolling the dice. But Chiefs are another team I'm down on. I hate this offensive line. I've hated it for the last like three years. They don't address it ever, and I think the ceiling is a little bit capped. Uh, but you know, it is Andy Reid. So Andy Reid swears by the check down. Alex Smith swears by the check down. So you've got to you've got to respect uh, the potential there. So I think where he's going now is probably fine. I mean, I could definitely see him outperforming a fourth round pick though. So it was confirmed yesterday uh torn PCL and LCL for Spencer Ware late yesterday afternoon they finally confirmed it he will undergo surgery. And according to Ian Rappaport, quote, it, it is a longer and grueling, more grueling rehab than ACL, which is just... Yeah, I don't think he's going to play this year. Just brutal. Um, it, the cream hunt interests me because, and this is, it really actually tilts me a little bit here, because I think there was a short window there where this past weekend you could kind of grab him at an insane value coming off of the injury and now I think the market is going to readjust violently and even more so and we'll get out of here on this point uh I help my dad with his home league and they always draft the Saturday after the first game and this year with the Edelman injury and the wear injury like I said yesterday I think the value goes to Cooks and Gronk and with the uh wear injury I think Kareem Hunt becomes a good value and they fucking all play on Thursday night <laughs> So if any of them has a huge game, one of these bozos, it's an auction draft. One of these bozos is just going to bid infinite on, like, if Kareem Hunt, like, finds the end zone twice, he's going to go for a million dollars. It's kind of brutal. Woe is us. That is the running back position. If you guys want to get ready for your drafts this weekend, we've got the quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, and running backs, all evergreen, all right there in the feed. Grid, iron, gamble, Dot com. You can listen to them. I plead you, I beg you to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at GridironGamble. And you can follow these guys at Brett Colson, C-O-L-L-S-O-N, at Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H, at Donnie underscore Peters, and I'm at Rich T. Ryan. Next week, we'll be picking games, baby. Until then, peace. Out.